Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Nick Nimmin, and we're going to explore YouTube Live and what you need to know to get started with it. If you want to reach me, you can simply email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. All right, now let's transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle, here is this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool tool called Juicer, and what it does is it aggregates social media posts all into one place so you can show them off on your website or up on giant screens. This is a tool that I think we've kind of actually been looking for for social media examiner and social media marketing world specifically. Interesting. Tell me more. Yes. So what it does, it, it again, it's called Juicer, and it aggregates hashtags and search terms through all the different social media channels, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. And then Juicer through the dashboard allows you to moderate any of those posts that come through, and you can curate them. And then what you can do is you can uh, grab their embed code and put that on a specific page on your website. So, for example, if we wanted to curate Social Media Marketing World 18 or 19 images or uh, videos or different things like that. We can put them all in one place and then throw them on our website for Social Media Marketing World. We can do the same thing, but then have that output onto giant screens at the conference as well. Uh, I'm really excited about this tool, I guess you can hear me say. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. So the good news is what I'm hearing you say is it's not just going to grab all the content. You get to select which ones you want to be shown. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And what's cool about this, and I really was kind of concerned about it, was even on the free plan, you have the ability to moderate and uh, curate. So it's not an unfiltered feed because nobody wants that. Nobody at their event or on their website wants people using their hashtag and having unfiltered social posts come through when you're trying to curate the best of the best. So which platforms does it support for uh, hashtags? Gosh, pretty much all of them. So any of them that have it, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even YouTube, because that's now got hashtags. Wow. Uh, They've got Flickr. For You know, I mean, there's, I don't know if people are still using Flickr, but still, it's out there. So yeah, I mean, this is great. You just add the social media accounts that you want to add to. And then again, you can copy and paste that embed code into your web page, or there's a WordPress plugin if you want to use it on a WordPress site. And then through their dashboard, you just moderate and change that feed as you want it to show up on your website or on your giant screens. How does it look? It's pretty impressive. 
<laughs> I gotta so say. So does it animate different ones on and off kind of kind of thing? Not necessarily, but that's why you would maybe if you're going to show them off, you'd want to you know choose the right ones and have it be. Able is it to be like a big? Through. Is it like a big scroll kind of thing? Or I mean, yes. like, okay, yes. got it. Yeah, got it. Awesome. Um, where do we find this thing? So it's easy to find because it's just called Juicer and it's at juicer.io. J-U-I-C-E-R.io. Did I spell that right? That's it. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for this week's interview with Nick Nimmin. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Nick Nimmin. If you don't know who Nick is, he is a YouTube expert. His YouTube channel is for YouTube creators, and it has more than 300,000 subscribers. He also hosts a weekly YouTube live show called Nimmin Live and co-hosts the Business of Video podcast. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to have you. Today, Nick and I are going to explore how marketers can benefit from YouTube Live, which is something we've really not talked about on this show. But before we go there, Nick, I want to hear a little bit of your story because it's a pretty cool story. How'd you get into YouTube? How'd you get into YouTube Live? Start wherever you want to start. Okay. Yeah. With uh, with YouTube, basically what got me into YouTube originally is um, I'm in Thailand. And the reason that I say that is because uh, when you are self-employed and you're working online and you're doing something and you are in another country, if it doesn't go well, you can't just go and get another job somewhere to tide you over or anything like that. Like you have to succeed at whatever it is that you do if you want to if you want to stay living, you know, that expat um, dream, so to speak. And basically what had happened is. Uh, when I first came over to Thailand, I ended up doing a graphic design slash media company with my brother and we ended up getting a handful of really difficult clients. What year is this? Just to give some context, 20, let's see here, or I'm sorry, it was 1995, I believe. No, 1996, I believe. Just as the internet was popping. I've been here for 12 years. Okay. And, um, uh, when I came over here. Uh, you know, everything was great, you know, like everything was going great and all that. But we had this period of time to where, you know, we just made some bad decisions because of, you know, sometimes just when you're in business, you make bad decisions because of, you know, the the contract is like, wow, this is a great deal. So let's just go ahead and do it. And then unfortunately, the people that we ended up working with, um, we just didn't get along. And this actually happened to a few different clients at the same time. And the position that we were in was, well, we can keep doing this 
um, and not enjoy ourselves every day, or we can try to find some other things to do. And that was kind of our conversation. We said, okay, you know, we don't want to do this anymore. What can we do? And neither of us had an answer. So we both set off to explore, you know, different things that we could get into. And one of the things that I started exploring uh, was YouTube because I started looking into internet marketing and that kind of thing. And that kind of led me into YouTube. And I was watching YouTube channels like Gideon Shawick and James Wedmore. And they were talking about building uh, an email list um, and the importance of building an email list and, and how you can use YouTube to do it. So I said, you know what? I'll give this YouTube thing a shot. And I gave it a shot with the original intention of just trying to get emails. I, I had no idea of, I, like I couldn't grasp at the time how much opportunity and how much potential and how powerful uploading video content to the internet was. I was just doing it for the sake of trying to find that uh, solution to a problem that I was having at the time. So wait, and, Nick, um, I, let me pause you here for so one second. So you've been in Thailand for about 12 years. So I think the math on that is 2006 and the design thing isn't working out. So you listen to Gideon and James who have both been on this podcast and you decide that you're going to create some videos with the goal of getting emails. And when approximately how many years ago would you say you started that YouTube channel and then, and then continue with the story? My very first upload was September of 2014. Okay. Wow. So, so not, four not years too long ago. ago. Okay, cool. So it's yeah. four years ago. Keep going with the story. Yeah. And um, basically, I started uploading videos to that channel. And right out of the gate, you know, because I, I had that media experience, because we also shot some training videos and things like that for, for some of the clients that we had. And um, I had, you know, a relatively good video camera, relatively good microphone. So right out of the gate, the quality that I, that I had was decent. And people started saying, hey, you know, these are decent quality videos. I started getting really good feedback on it, which felt great. Um, and I was also at the time, because I was still looking into the internet marketing thing, I was a part of a Facebook group. And, um, in that Facebook group, Daryl Eves was also in that Facebook group who has also been on this show. <laughs> and, um, uh, he mentioned, cause I was watching him at the time trying to figure out how to do YouTube. And he had mentioned that he was crossing a hundred thousand subscribers and that if you sent him a video that he might include you in his hundred thousand subscriber video. And at the time I had 150 subscribers on my YouTube channel Wow! and I sent there and I sent Daryl this video you know, I'm like, Hey, this is what your channel means to me. And this is, you know, why it's important to me and helping me understand what's going on on YouTube. And he contacted me right away. Um, and he said, Hey, you know, I love what it is that you are doing in terms of how you present the camera quality, you know, how your voice sounds, all that stuff. And, um, and he offered to, uh, help me start another channel because he said that, um, he thought that I had a lot of potential in terms of the things that people respond to on YouTube. And he said that he would help me with his other channel. So I took about nine months, um, hiatus on my current channel and I went and worked on that channel. Now, the process went like this. You have to go through and you have to plan everything. You have to get all your branding together. You have to start recording shows, get everything ready to launch and all of that. And during that time and once the channel was launched, the actual process of, of putting out you know, two or three videos a week with that particular type of content was cutting into my graphic design business. So mm. what, it, what it ended up happening was I was trying to, to find a solution to a problem, but I ended up causing even more stress because I added this work of all of this other content onto what I was already doing and the problems that I was having with graphic design. And every time that it came down to, okay, I've got a choice that I have to make today. That choice is I need to work on this project so I can get it finished, or I need to make some video content for my YouTube channel. I would almost always default to I'm making content for my YouTube channel because I, I started getting you know, that the whole YouTube thing going to where I was really enjoying just the community aspect of it. The channel was going well, like everything about it was, was amazing. That creative outlet was great. And, um, 
what happened was I was trying to manage the design business, dealing with that. I was putting out all this content onto YouTube and I, I just burned out. And the funny thing is, is Daryl actually, he told me, he said, hey, if you're going to do this, um, if you're going to commit to doing this, you have to make sure that you are going to upload at a rate that you're going to be able to sustain because YouTube is a long-term thing. So it's not something to where you're going to upload videos and then bam, it's going to be huge. You're, it's something you're going to have to do for a long period of time. So make sure that you can work it into, into your life, so to speak. And I'm like, sure. And then I went all in and started uploading like two or three videos a week. And that type of content takes a really long time to make. So long story short, um, I burned out on that channel. And I was like, man, I was like, I, I just can't do this anymore. This has taken, you know, too much time. But I was already, I already had the YouTube bug, so to speak. And I said, okay, so that I don't have to go home because I'm over here, so that I don't have to go home because my business is suffering, um, I still want to be on YouTube, but I have to make that decision to not do that particular channel anymore because it was taking too much time, but I still want to be on YouTube. So I said, okay, I'm going to come back to my channel that, that is now at you know 300,000 subscribers. I'm going to go back to that channel. And I'm going to talk about just normal, you know, freelancer stuff, normal, you know, things like how to stay focused when you're working in a cafe, as an example. And I started making that type of content and because it was easier to make. And I stayed on YouTube and I just pretty much abandoned that other channel. And what happened was I kept putting out that content for not too long of a period of time. But a friend of mine reached out and he said, hey, let's do a collaboration. And we made a video about how to rank videos in YouTube search. As soon as I made that video, people were like, hey, this is great. Make more YouTube stuff. And then I started making more YouTube stuff and more YouTube stuff and more YouTube stuff. And then from there, um, now it's swelled into uh, a resource for content creators. Transition us into the live story just so people have that yeah. context. Sure. So the cool thing is during that process, basically, I started um, uh, live stream. I did my very first live stream on YouTube just so that I could show other people how to do it. That live stream, because I, I didn't have many subscribers at the time, I didn't have any views, and that particular stream, I was excited when I had two people come into the live stream. I was like, oh, this is great. There's actually people watching you know, the live stream. I was doing a live thumbnail tutorial. Then um, I didn't live stream for a long time, and then um, after I crossed 10,000 subscribers, I think I might have had 13 at the time, YouTube released a update to their mobile app where you could live stream from their mobile app. And Brian, the same guy that I did the SEO video with, he hit me up and he says, hey, uh, do you have access to this yet? They just released it. And I'm like, oh, here, let me check. And I had it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'll get back to you later. I'm going to go and I'm just going to do a live stream so I can you know, see how this thing works. And I ended up staying on that live stream. I had like 300 people at one time come into that stream. Um, and I ended up streaming for about three hours uh, for that first live stream. And the time went by so fast, like Roberto Blake came in there and I had a bunch of other people in there. So like that was my first taste of wow, people are really responding to the content. I'm getting respect from others in the industry. Like this is just an awesome thing. So from that point forward, I started live streaming um, almost every week. And then it progressed to where it was from my home. And then what ended up happening was I was getting into the live streaming thing so much. My brother, who still lives here in Thailand, we, he does the stream with me every, every Saturday. But he said, hey, we should do a, an entire channel on live streaming. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. We rented out a condo for 300 bucks. Um, it, was, it was gutted in terms of no furniture. And we built a, he built actually a, a live streaming studio inside of this condo. And we went live on my channel just to test it, to make sure that everything worked before we launched that other channel. And the response was so good when we went live that we said, you know what, let's just, let's just keep going live on this channel because, you know, this channel is already rolling. We've already got momentum. Um, let's just keep going live. And we gave it a name, call it Nimmin Live. And, um, and now we stream every Saturday and people love it. How long have you been doing that show? 
about two years, a year and a half? No, it's um, last December is when we uh, is when we first started live streaming. So it's been right around a year right now. Wow. Okay. So we're going to get more into how you do your show because I think people are going to be shocked at what you do, but we're not going to get there just yet. So folks that are listening, just know that like that app that Nick was talking about, I I was at VidCon when they launched that thing. I mean, that was only about Mm. two years ago, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't, it hasn't been around that long, the ability to actually go live from your, your phone, you know what I mean? With the YouTube app, that's what you're specifically referring to. So, so technically you could argue YouTube was a little late to the game, right? Because Facebook and Periscope and stuff had already been out for a lot longer. Um, But I'm excited to have you at least tell the listeners right now, the marketers that are listening, why should they consider YouTube Live when they have Facebook and they have Twitter? I think that with YouTube Live, um, the the real value is when you put stuff on Facebook, it becomes difficult to find after a really short amount of time. And on YouTube, especially if you're using playlists to organize everything, on YouTube, you're basically creating an archive of things that have replay value that people can easily find. I still get views on live streams that I did this time last year, right? Because they're easy to find. They're organized into playlists. These are all my live streams and people can listen to them at their leisure to learn whatever it is that they want. So just the fact that everything is organized in a way um, to where everything is easy to find, that replay value goes through the roof um, on YouTube. In terms of YouTube also, just like Facebook, in terms of converting people into leads, like when I was doing consulting, when I would end a live stream, I would have like 10 very hot leads like ready to go in my email box after a live stream because basically I was on there sharing, you know, my my knowledge, sharing what it is that I knew about the platform and all of that. And people are like, hey, he knows what he's talking about. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to send him an email to see if I can work with him in terms of generating leads just as effective as as Facebook. Now, where it really separates from Facebook, in addition to just the replay value, is when you go live on YouTube while you're live, those live streams have a better chance of ranking in search being suggested throughout the platform. So while you're live, you also have the opportunity to to have other people come into the live stream that you might not have been exposed to previously. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. I think what I'm hearing you say is when you open up YouTube, if someone's live, um, they're going to somehow lift that up even if they're not a subscriber. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so basically it's going to go out to some of your subscribers as well, especially the people that have the notifications, which is another bonus. Um, but even people that are not subscribed to your channel, just like how they serve videos to people, they do the same exact thing for live streams. So if somebody is somebody that typically watches a live stream and they're also within that topic base, like for example, okay. So in my particular space, um, because a lot of the people in my particular space live stream, So what happens is like, let's say that um, somebody is subscribed to, let's say, Tim Schmoyer's channel, right? And they go in and they watch a lot of his live streams. When I go live, then the likelihood of them getting served one of my live streams, even though they're not a subscriber, is extremely high because they're already proven to watch that type of content and to participate in live streams. Does that make sense? Yeah, because Google owns YouTube and their artificial intelligence algorithms and stuff are smart, right? And they know. Yes. They know that the people that watch Tim's shows who are interested in, in YouTube creation also might find your stuff interesting. That's what kind of what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? 
Correct, 100%. And um, in addition to that also, which is something that we did kind of uh, skim over, is the fact that when you do go live on YouTube, people are getting emails about it. Um, if they have the push notification set on their phone, then they can get you know a notification on their phone that you're live. So then that increases the likelihood of people actually flooding into your live stream when you go live, as long as, of course, as long as you have you know a little bit of an audience built in. Yeah, and that's you know that's if they're uh, if they hit the bell for notifications, which you want to obviously train your audience to do, right? I think that's awesome because you don't get that on Facebook. You know, most people have all the email notifications turned off on Facebook, and Facebook never ever recommends another live video to you if you're not a fan. And you're lucky right. if they even show you the live video if you are a fan, because of the algorithm and the way it's set up and. I think the other side of it, we should talk about the user behavior on YouTube, right? People, they spend a lot of time on YouTube. Tell me more. Yeah, without question. So so people spend, like when, when people go to YouTube, the expectation that they have when they go to YouTube is I'm going to settle in and I'm going to watch some content. Maybe I have five minutes to spare. Maybe I have two hours to spare, but they're making that choice. I'm going to go there to consume content. When people go to Facebook, they go to look at their news feed. They go to interact, you know, to send messages back and forth, whatnot, to snoop on their friends. <laughs> but they go in order to do other things with video and consuming other types of content to being more secondary, right? So when you're on Facebook, the content kind of happens to you instead of being on YouTube where you actually go with the intention, which is the important part, with the intention of dedicating a little bit of time to uh, consuming content. And you also have... In terms of the difference of the two, you also have the built-in YouTube features as well, like Super Chat, to where people can give you donations, which Facebook doesn't have. Um, you have the description underneath the video to where you can put links to your email list or whatever offer that you have, or at the very least, links to your website to let people know when they're in your stream, hey, this is where you can find out more about me and uh, and that kind of thing. But yeah, huge difference in the actual experience that you get if you go and you and you watch or participate in a Facebook live stream compared to what it is that you do on YouTube. After the live video turns into a regular video, do you have the option to put end cards and, and call to actions and all that kind of stuff over the top of the video? Yes, you do. You can put um, end cards in there. You can put actual cards uh, in there. You can even go in and edit out parts uh, if you would like. So uh, they have the built-in YouTube editor now to where you can go in and let's say that you had a part to where you just didn't like how it turned out then you can trim it down to make the, the replay better. Or let's say that you have an intro to where, for whatever reason, you do something specific in your live stream um, to where you don't want to actually show that in the replay because they're not, you know, they're not actually live with you in the replay. So you can actually go in and, and cut out those things as well. So you also have that option um, to edit it on the back end after the live stream is complete. Explain what cards are for people that may not know what that means. Yeah, cards are basically, uh, it's a feature inside of YouTube to where you can link to other videos, you can link to your website as long as you hit their uh, subscriber and watch time requirements. Um, but it's basically the little info card that pops up. If you've ever watched a YouTube video, and I'm sure everybody that's listening to this has watched at least one, <laughs> then uh, there's a little there's a little circle that pops up on the right-hand side of the screen at the top right, and it has a little eye in it, a little info card. And basically what happens is when that extends, that gives you the ability on your side as the admin, as the person that's live streaming or putting up video content, that gives you the ability to link to um, a website, link to another video, um, or link to another uh, channel, or even add a poll if you would like. So you can actually get direct feedback from those cards as well while you're live. And the cool thing about YouTube Live is you can actually have that stuff on while you're live as well. It's not something you have to wait for the replay for. You can have that um, on your live stream so people can actually see all of that stuff while you're live also. Okay. So um, I know a lot of my audience is heavy on Facebook and Twitter. 
and maybe not so big on YouTube. So when you first got started out, you, you weren't super big on YouTube. You didn't have a huge audience. Do you recommend if they have an email list to email their audience and let them know that they're on YouTube? Because maybe in the beginning they might not, either maybe they have a channel that's kind of not been active for a while or don't have a lot of subscribers. It, would that be wise to just kind of maybe promote on the channels where they do have audiences to kind of drive them over to YouTube? Without question, if you if you have if you have an email list, for example, letting them know that you have that other outlet, I think is extremely important because one, if you can get people coming from your email list, even when you publish a video or let's say that you say, hey, I'm getting ready to go live and you send out an email before you go live, then what you're doing there is you're starting sessions on YouTube. If you go that route, um, you're starting sessions to where basically you are initiating them coming from their the email to your live stream. And when that happens, you're actually that point of entry to YouTube. And then you get credited for not only for the watch time of them being in your video, but also for the session for however long they stay on YouTube. If they watch your video and get distracted by something else, then you're still getting, I'll call it points, <laughs> but you're still getting points for that, so to speak. And what do those points do for us? Um, they help the channel grow. They help give the, they help give the channel authority to where, like if you go and you look at search rankings, for example, the things that make it possible, either very good SEO or um, the channel authority are the things that make it possible for videos to really compete on YouTube. If you have all this session time building up, you have all the watch time building up on your channel and on the individual videos, then that helps them be presented more because people are responding to them in a positive way. It helps them um, get presented more elsewhere on the platform because they're proven in terms of the watch time on the actual content itself. It's proven that people are responding to it. And then if you start the session, then that just counts against the overall authority on the channel. Okay. So um, we're going to get to how you do your show because I think a lot of people will be fascinated when they hear what you do. But before we do, which is kind of a transition question. How long can you go live on YouTube? Because on Facebook, it's a max of three hours. I've personally, um, I've, I've had a seven hour live stream. I know people that have had, um, eight hour live streams. And wow. as we have this conversation, there's people that run 24 hours, seven day per week live streams to where as we're having this conversation, they're showing the Pootie Pie and T-Series competition that's going on right now. So you can see, um, you like when they had a, um, I think it was around this time last year, they had a, a giraffe that was giving birth that they did a live stream for. And I think that live stream is up for, um, maybe a month or longer. Wow. So, so you can, yeah, you can set it up through software like Streamlabs or through OBS to where, um, you can actually run 24 hour live streams on YouTube as well. Got it. Perfect. Okay. So now let's get to your show because I think so far we've talked about your story about how you started, you know, this YouTube channel and how you finally started this show and how you're now up to 300,000 subscribers. This is the exciting part of your story. Like tell people, uh, you know, explain more about what you do on your show. How long is it? How often is it? And, and kind of what do you talk about? Let's let's just start there. Okay. So the show is every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Um, it's called Nimmin Live. And basically what happens is when you are a participant on Nimmin Live, you get to learn a ton about YouTube and how YouTube works. But we also mix in because my brother is a co-host with me and we mix in our banter as well. So basically you have two brothers that have a great relationship and we get to, you know, interact with the chat. We also have our own banter and our own jokes that we throw back and forth that the audience gets to get involved in. And then we also go into the chat and we take questions directly out of the chat 
asking people, you know, hey, what what is it that you want to know about YouTube or or a problem that you're having with your YouTube channel or whatever? Let us know what that is, and then and then we start answering questions. So basically, they are getting it, it's it's a service, really. It's like a radio call-in show, but it goes like a traditional like radio talk show, except it's done on video, right? Yeah, it is. And and um, uh, the the unfortunate part, which we're actually working on, is you don't actually hear their voices, but we pull the questions directly from chat, so they do get that that immediate response um, or that immediate feedback from whatever question that they have. And um, the cool thing about that is, you know, with any Q&A session on anything that you want to learn, in my opinion, that's where like the real information comes out because you start getting all those frequently asked questions, all that stuff that people really want to know. And and that's where the real value is because you can watch a video on, you know, a specific thing. But then when somebody else is asking questions, you're going to hear things that, that you didn't even know that you wanted to know. How long is your show each week? Yeah, um, we go for three to seven hours. So seven hours is our peak, but we average around five to six hours per week. Okay. So oh, wait, wait, I got, I got to ask you. First of all, people are freaking out. Like, what? Five to six <laughs> hours a week. First of all, he does it on Saturday, right? And you do it once a week. But like, yes. just give us some context of like, you know, do people actually watch that long? I mean, do you have any sense of how long people stick around for? Not only do people watch, but people are actually in there waiting for us to start. Um, about 15 minutes early, uh, people will be sitting there waiting for us to start. They'll, they'll already start interacting. So basically our live stream has become an event, so to speak. So people will actually, um, they'll, they'll come in there early. They will like, we'll, we'll get emails to where people will apologize because they won't be able to make the live stream. Hey, sorry. Um, I'm not going to be able to make the live stream this week. And, And the crazy thing about that is, I mean, it's awesome. But the crazy thing about that is they're not people that you talk to on a normal basis. It's just people that you may or may not recognize in a live stream. And it's become such an event for the community that people will, you know, send those emails out letting people know that they're not going to show up because, you know, they don't want to be missed or whatever the, uh, you know, whatever the reason is for that. But we have people that are waiting when we go live. And some of those people, I would I would say we've got about 70, eh, 60 to 70 people that will literally be waiting for it to go live or they'll come in right after it's live and they'll watch for the entirety of the of the live stream. Wow. And then they'll, they'll continue talking even after the live stream's over until uh, until we turn the chat off. So they're kind of your loyal, fanatical, never going to miss it, freak out, email you if if you don't show up on Saturday kind of audience. Am I right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We'll get tweets about it. You know, like if, if something happens to where we can't stream um, or we just don't for whatever reason because it's a holiday or whatever, yeah. um, like we'll, we'll actually have people check up on us. Hey, just want to make sure everything's okay. I noticed you're not streaming and, and, and we'll have people getting mad. You know, hey, I rearranged my Saturday so that I could see your stream this week, and uh, and you didn't stream. Why weren't you? Why aren't you, why weren't you streaming? I expected you to go live, and you get feedback like that as well. <laughs> How has this changed things for you and your brother? It's actually strengthened our relationship, as crazy as that sounds, and 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 you know, we, we think it's kind of crazy as well because you know we have this awesome experience to where we get to the, the way that I phrase it is we get to stand on this stage, right? in front of all of these people and we get to have our own banter back and forth and we get to have this experience of all of these people, um, you know, interacting with us and, and, and something that we're doing and, and, and we get to plan, Hey, what are we going to talk about? You know, what, what, what things do you want to do? Hey, do you want to pull up this person's channel? You know, to where we actually get to work on that together. And because we have so much fun when we're, when we're doing it, it's actually strengthened our relationship. And you don't think of it as work. You think of it as fun, but but how how has it helped you got your guys's, you know, business or channel? I mean, that's the other side of it as well. Right. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Leaps and bounds. So me personally, because, um, it's, it's my channel, so it's, it's my show, but we do it together. Um, and he's live streaming on his own uh, channel now as well. But, um, for, for me personally, like it actually generates a lot of affiliate sales. Um, I get, uh, signups for my personal website, tuber tools before I was getting a lot of leads for the, for the consulting work, but primarily now it's mostly in affiliate sales that I generate during the live streams. Um, and that comes from, that comes from TubeBuddy. That comes from any of the links that are in the description. That comes from book sales because we have a couple of books sitting on the desk also. Um, that comes from my uh, my membership site as well. But it, it's basically a great asset every single week. And in addition to the sales that it generates directly, um, we also have a sponsorship with TubeBuddy. So basically, we're getting we're getting paid for the stream before we even hit the go live button. And I would imagine it's also increased your credibility in the industry, right? It's probably led to more speaking opportunities and a lot of respect from your peers. Am I right? Without question. Yeah. Because, you know, that's one of those things that I was talking about earlier. You know, when you are, when you go live on any platform, when you go live and you can sit there and field question after question after question for an hour, three hours, seven hours, whatever the time limit happens to be, when you can sit there and just field question after question, it shows that, hey, you know, this person, you know, they, they know their stuff or they know, you know, enough to tell, you know, other people, you know, the things that they need to do or, or whatever. So it, it's really helped in terms of industry recognition, you know, like everybody in the space um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm friends with now, which is great. And that comes from people coming into the streams and being able to see, you know, hey, this is the information that he's sharing and they can verify that, hey, this is the information that he's sharing is also correct, which is great. And that is the thing that, you know, that gives you that recognition. Now, there's going to be some people listening right now that might want to try a 90 minute show to begin with. You know what I mean? They're an hour long show to begin with um, or maybe two hours or whatever. So give us some tips and pointers on how to do these longer form shows, because obviously you've mastered it. So what you want to do is um, you want to have some type of structure. So ours is a little bit more freeform, but it's easier to do that way because we have two people. Now, if you're doing it yourself, because I've done these, uh, you know, these long streams myself also, if you're doing it yourself, it becomes a little bit more complicated depending on what you're using. So one of the things that we do, because we have multiple cameras and we have these different scenes and different things that come up. So for us, um, he does the camera switching and the graphics that come up on the screen. And then I do most of the uh, talking. So the very first thing is one, just get a general structure together in terms of how are you, and by structure, I mean workflow. How are you going to actually run the show? Are you going to have multiple cameras? Are you going to be using um, Streamlabs OBS? Are you going to be using vMix? Are you going to be using Wirecast? Like, you know, what is it you're going to do and how are you actually going to use that while you're sitting there talking to everybody? So vMix and Wirecast and those other things that you mentioned, those are uh, software apps basically that allow you to switch. They're switcher apps, right? That allow you to switch between different cameras and allow you to bring up, I would imagine, comments from uh, people in the audience. Is that correct? Yes. And um, th they're called encoders. It's like the technical term. But but at the end of the day, you know, the, the nutshell version, it's basically just a piece of software that you put on your computer that allows you. It's kind of the bridge between your computer and and the live um, the live platforms. Now, you can also just click, you know, if, you, if you're in front of your computer and you have a webcam, you can also just do it directly inside of YouTube. But if you do that, you're not going to get all the graphics and all of that stuff. But the reason that I wanted to mention that was because if you do add elements like that to your show to where you are using one of these encoders, um, you're going to have to focus on whatever information you're delivering plus switching that encoder. Right. In terms of changing cameras, if you do that or adding graphics to the screen or whatever it happens to be. So the difficult part is when you are sitting there and you're trying to 
share some laser focused advice to answer a specific question that somebody has. And then you have to also think at the same time in your brain, okay, I'm answering this question, but then your brain is kind of trailing off thinking, okay, I need to change the scene because this static scene is getting a little bit boring. So then you have to basically manage all of that in real time while you're live streaming. So that's the first, advantage of a say, co-host, right? I mean, or, or, or some sort of a moderator, correct? Yes. Yeah. That, that makes it a lot a lot easier. Um, but, but with that said though, you know, don't let that discourage you from live streaming. Anybody that's listening to this right now, because you know, that stuff that you learn along the way, it's a developed skill, just like anything else. So start with, if you're considering doing that, start with just going live, just directly onto YouTube, um, through the, through the option that you have at the top of the screen, when you actually go in, just like you would upload a video, you can go live there now, um, as well. So start so with through that. your browser. Is that correct? So if you're using like Chrome or something like that, you can just go directly live from your or a computer? Correct. And if you have more than one camera, is it smart enough to not a switch or is it just going to go live on the one camera that you select when you go live? Yeah, at this point in time, it's just going to go live on the one camera. So it. it'll be your it'll be your main way, uh, webcam is the one that it's going to pick. But of course, you can you can assign whichever camera that you want, but it's going to stay static on that one camera. You're not going to have any graphics or anything like that. But if you're just experimenting and you're just trying it out, then that's that's perfectly okay. We just do the multiple cameras and things like that because we just want to make it a little bit more of a dynamic show. I'm using a Logitech Brio 4K camera. Is something like that overkill, or is that appropriate for something like going live on YouTube? That's that's fine. Um, most of the time, I actually had a before our conversation today. I did a live stream for TubeBuddy, and when I did their live stream, um, I just did it with my Logitech C922 yeah, webcam, which too. is actually a lower version yeah. <laughs> than the Brio. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it looks fantastic. Yeah, they're both. I have both of those cameras on two different computers, and they're awesome. That one he just mentioned is a 1080p, and the other one's a 4K camera. Can you do 4K live video on YouTube? If you are somewhere that has a good internet connection, yes. Um, in my particular case, our internet isn't up to speed. We're actually looking into fiber because they just rolled out fiber locally. Wow. Um, but but currently, we can only push up uh, 1080p. But uh, 4K is definitely on the way for us and for you know people in the states or in the Western world, so to speak, or even in in, in parts of Asia to where you have really good internet, um, then then you can definitely stream up 4K. It'll take it. Yeah, and we should mention these cameras we're talking about. They just mount on top of your monitor and they're like 150 to 300 dollars something in that range right they're not super expensive yeah the 922 i think i think you can get the c922 now for maybe 80 dollars on amazon that's awesome okay yeah. so what other tips would you recommend so so far we've talked about how it's really important to use the right you know person to help you kind of do some of this stuff um if you're going to do something as sophisticated as what you're doing how do you go for hours i mean you must have some sort of idea of what you're going to talk about yeah, so so that's where that's where having the community is is really beneficial is if you have people in the chat to where you can field stuff from then you always have those fallbacks. And what I mean by fallbacks is when you're sitting there and you're just talking, right? Just like in a podcast or just like in radio, you don't want to have a lot of dead air so to speak. You don't want to have a lot of silent periods that make everything awkward and uncomfortable because then people will lose interest and they'll leave. So because of that, um you want to always keep it going. So if you have a fallback, which is basically in this particular case, it would be to where if you start running out of things to say, then I can just go to the chat as my fallback. I can go to the chat and say, okay, now let's get some more YouTube questions. Um, you know, if you have a question about YouTube, go ahead and drop it in the chat right now, right? That, that can be my fallback to where if I start running out of steam, so to speak, I can go to there to kind of give myself a break for a restart so that if you do start running out of things to talk about, you can have that. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a large community yet and you don't have a lot of people in your live streams, one thing that I cannot stress enough is coming in with a topic and coming in with bullet points that can lead you through 
what it is that you're going to talk about. Because, you know, when you're sitting there and you're trying to, in your brain, make sure that your tech is going and you're looking at your audio meters to see and make sure that your mic is coming through okay, you know, the, the sometimes your mind can just start unwinding because you're trying to keep focused on so many different things if you're doing it solo. So having some type of an outline and, and based on, you know, the topic that you chose is extremely important because it basically gives you a roadmap of what it is that you need to talk about. Yeah. And I used to host for those that are super fans. know I used to host the social media marketing talk show, which was, which is still going on for like three plus years here. It's a weekly news show. I don't host it. Eric Fisher hosts it now, but it does kind of develop a different skill in your brain. The ability to read comments and talk at the same time, the ability to switch stuff. I mean, it, it does actually, once you get good at it, you're surprised at how much you can multitask. It's kind of shocking, actually. But one of the things that it I've is. learned is not to have paragraphs, but to have bullets. I mean, what you just said is so important. Because if you have paragraphs, then your brain just doesn't know where to zoom in on the paragraph. So if there is a paragraph, I often bold some of the keywords. So my brain will extemporaneously just look at it and know what I'm supposed to say. But uh, but the key thing really is the audience interaction. I want th- This is my next question, which is <clears throat> how... You know, give us some tips on how to interact with the audience, because I think that's what makes live exciting, you know, not just you nonstop talking. Am I right? Sure. Um, the, the very first thing is to actually recognize people. That's huge. Um, like recognizing the people that are in your live streams can can really make a difference. And even though it might not seem like it, depending on the type of personality that you have, um, you might watch a live stream. And if somebody says your name, it might not even matter. But for some people, it can make a world of difference. I actually had, uh, I'll give you a, a really quick story here. Um, I had about six months ago, maybe seven months ago, I was in a live stream and I just called this person out. I answered their question, the specific question they had about YouTube. They ended up uploading a video onto YouTube and they were talking about how um, I mentioned them in the live stream. And to them, that was a big deal because in their normal life, they, they're just kind of invisible um, you know, in their mind, they're invisible to the rest of the people in the world. And uh, by me recognizing them and calling out their name in the live stream and then acting or not acting, but uh, answering their question, they they felt recognized for that very short period of time. And while they were making the video and they were talking about this, it was an emotional experience. And she actually started crying in the video because it made like, a, you know, it was a big deal to her. So depending on who it is that's in your audience, you know, just you recognizing them and answering that person's question and taking that time out to, you know, just say a few names. Hey, you know, hey, whatever your name is, welcome to the live stream. You did that you for know, me, that actually. Really- you did that for me. The one time I watched you live, I don't know if you remember, but I came on, I came on and I think it was because I don't know how I found it, but I came on and and you just did a shout out to me. And I thought that was the coolest thing because I wasn't the only guy there. I, I left yeah. a comment. First of all, I think that's how you knew I was there. But I left a comment and then you just said, hey, Mike Stelzner. And um, you mentioned that we met, you know, at another conference and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool. That made me want to keep watching. Yeah. And, and you know, the, like when you when you do that, basically it, it helps the people feel involved also, because if somebody's watching, you, just like if somebody says your name, you know, if you're if you're walking through the mall and somebody says, hey, Mike. Or if somebody says, hey, Mike, you know, if you hear somebody say, hey, Mike, then then it's going to stop you for a second. And your brain's going to say, hey, where's that coming from? Are they talking to me? Right. So it's the same exact thing to where it kind of cues them in. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. They just they're, they're talking to me right now. Oh, my gosh, they're answering my question. This is fantastic. Right. So it so it just pulls them into what it is that you're doing, which is which is really um, which is really cool. What else can um, we do to get that audience engaged? Um this one's going to sound extremely basic, but for somebody that's never live streamed before, this can also be great for engagement is if you ask it, Hey, do you, is anybody here new? 
give me a hashtag new for anybody that's new in the chat. Or you just ask them questions in general. Hey, anybody in the chat, give me a hashtag new. You get feedback. If you answer a question, then you ask the live chat. You say, hey, you know, if everybody understood what I what I'm saying there, then just give me a hashtag understand so that I know that you're so that I know that you understood what I'm saying. I like that and a you lot. just Yeah, and you just keep giving uh, little, you know, signals like that for interaction so that if somebody's sitting back, you know, say they're sitting back in their chair and they're watching the live stream, then that will encourage them to sit up in their chair, grab their keyboard and, you know, and, and, and make that interaction of if they understood or not. So, so that can be really helpful. And the same exact thing goes to, you know, reminding people to share, um, the content and just asking, um, asking them people where they're from. Uh, that's another fallback, um, that I was mentioning before to where you can just take a break from what it is that you're talking about. And Hey, you know, just out of curiosity, you know, I'm curious to know where it is that you are all at in the world. So if you could really quick, just give me a hashtag and then give me your location. Um, I would just love to know where you're at. And then as they start coming in, Oh, great. This is amazing. We have a bunch of people in here from London. Oh, Hey, there's some, somebody from Alabama. Hey, here's somebody from Spain. This is great. And then you just have that little bit of interactive moment with everybody to where instead of it focusing on one person question, one person's question, you're kind of pulling back a little bit and involving everybody that's in the stream. And that's another way that you can really keep people engaged. One of the things that I used to do when I was running my live shows, we would talk about breaking tips and tech, you know, breaking new things from the social platforms. So sometimes we, we hadn't received it yet. We've just seen screenshots from Instagram or something. So I would ask, Hey, has anybody here seen it? And then people would start commenting, yeah, I saw it. And then, and then all of a sudden I would ask them questions. So what did it do this? Did it do that? And everybody started interacting with that person. Do you find that sometimes people start chatting with each other at the same time they're listening to your show? Without question. That's actually one of the things that makes my live stream such an event. So I kind of frame the whole thing around like the number one place for content creators to, to hang out online um, on Saturday. And, and the reason for that is because there have been relationships, um, in terms of friendships, not, not romantic relationships that I'm aware of anyway, but, um, but there's been actual, you know, friendships that have been generated from, um, from, you know, people hanging out my live streams. There's been, um, additional communities built around people that hang out my live streams to where, you know, they start an additional channel to where everybody just kind of meets up and does their own live stream together and hangs out because they all met inside of my, uh, inside of my chat. So it's actually become, in addition to me being responsible to, uh, or being held responsible to actually show up and do the stream, the other community members, some of the other community members are also um, held responsible and expected by other members of the community to actually show up and participate in the live stream as well. That's awesome. Well, Nick, yeah. I could tell that you and I could go on for hours. <laughs> and, and I know you do every Saturday. So what I want you to share is where people can discover uh, your YouTube channel and anything else that you want to share with them. Yeah, you can find um, you can find me at nicknimmon.com, kind of all roads lead to Rome. But if you want to learn uh, how to grow your channel, make videos and all types of other YouTube related things, you can find me at youtube.com slash nicknimmon. And spell Nimmon for everyone. Uh, that is uh, N-I-C-K-N-I-M-M-I-N. Yeah, so double M in there, N-I-M-M-I-N. Nick, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights uh, with my community. And, and I strongly recommend everybody check him out and then also check out his podcast. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's podcast episode. Nick will be teaching in our YouTube for business track. And he's going to be teaching about how to start a YouTube channel and I can't think of a better guy than Nick to be teaching in this track. So get your tickets by visiting socialmediaworld19.com. And by the way, if there was anything we mentioned today, like some of those apps, and you missed it, 
You can get the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 335. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.